Welcome back to the podcast with your host, Samantha. And I'm Alexa, and we're here to light up your life. Today's extraordinary guest is a world-renowned motivational speaker who creates inspiring and motivating content to help individuals achieve their goals and live a fulfilling life. Welcome to the show, Eddie Panero. We're so happy to have you. Samantha, Alexa, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. And we wanted to go ahead and share with you that when we announced um, to our listeners that we we're going to have you coming on to the show, we received an overwhelming amount of questions mm -hmm. and feedback. And there's one that really sticked out to us and we wanted to go ahead and share with you today. So I'll go ahead and read it. This comes from our oh. listener, um, Tatiana, who says, thank you, Eddie, for quitting your full-time job and taking a chance on yourself when you were uncertain. You have made a huge difference in my life and mental health. It's crazy to think where I would be if you've never started fulfilling your purpose. What a beautiful note. No. It really was. Wow. Yeah, we couldn't. That's so nice. The amount of questions and a lot of people, you know, gave really great feedback. So you made such a profound impact on so many lives. So what really inspired you to become a motivational speaker? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, it wasn't something in eighth grade I was dreaming about doing, you know, Um it was, and it's why I sort of stress the importance of taking some time to wander and explore, you know, in, in your life, because if I didn't, I never would have gotten there. It was um, a culmination of trying things that I enjoyed doing. So, um, and let me know if I'm going too, too deep into this, but, you know, long story short is, um, was just doing everything like by the book. So getting good grades to go to a good school to, you know, get a good job to get promoted, and it's like truly to my mid twenties till I looked around and was like, I'm not like happy. I've never once asked myself what I want in my life and uh, took some time and uh, started playing like acoustic guitar shows around Boston, um, producing music, doing creative writing, taking the camera out, making little videos and films and just kind of seeing what I like, seeing what I didn't, pushing away the things I didn't, gravitating towards the things I like. Clearly, you know, there's a creative spark. And uh, the first time it hit where I was like, I have something here was um, funny enough. I was realizing like, you don't get paid well, like playing acoustic shows around Boston, right? <laughs> so I'm like, uh, this is getting scary. And it would be really nice to have that paycheck coming in. Like that would be a really comforting thing. And I was tempted to, you know, start sending resumes out to the same companies that I, I left. And it's not that they aren't wonderful companies with wonderful people, but they're not me, like just not a fit. Um, and I wrote this speech called Ode to Excellence that was like, Eddie, just promise yourself for once, you'll put your back against the wall. And it encompassed all the things I love to do. It was writing a speech, recording the speech. It was music, clips, making a little cinematic three-minute experience, putting it out there. And uh, I loved doing it. And I started to get like emails from people. Hey, this added value to me too. I feel the same way. That was really cool. That was powerful. And that's when you know. You know, you get that sort of intersection of I love doing it and it's helping people. Let's go. Wow. That's so profound. Yeah. So appreciate it. Yeah, that was amazing. That's such a, a amazing way to figure out, you know, what what's your true purpose and your true why. Um, and I'm so happy that you were able to find that. Obviously, with all the um, feedback that you've been receiving, it's had a huge impact mm -hmm. in people's lives. So you're doing the right thing, and you found your purpose. That's amazing. Um, what is the inspiration for a lot of your videos? What would you say inspires some of the content that's actually in your videos? 
Yeah, I'd say it's the uh, the day to day, the mundane, like paying attention to how I'm feeling and why. Like one of my buddies joked around once. He's like, "Oh, a bird flew over Eddie's shoulder. He's gonna go write a speech about it now." Like, it's. I think, I think there's a lot of value that we walk right by or miss in our day to day, and I love being able to capture that and share it. You know, um, guys, I experienced this, and it was super helpful. And here's what I took from it. Or guys, I got my ass kicked over here. It wasn't fun here's what I'm going to do about it moving forward. And, you know, we aren't practical creatures, we're emotional. And I think when you can tell a story in a way that resonates, you know, people can take the value and implement it into their own lives. We're doing different things, you know, but but we're similar in a lot of ways. Like I'm not uh, a single mother or a teacher or an athlete, professional athlete, whatever, you know, but our ups and downs in many ways look similar. And we can learn from each other. And that's just, that's been the, the idea, capturing little pieces of inspiration where I find them and and resharing them. That's really cool. I want to go back to the point you made, excuse me, when you said, you know, you left your full-time nine to five job and, you know, it was really enticing to be able to go back to get that steady paycheck and make you feel comfortable and secure. So what was going through your mind when you ended up quitting and burning the boats and going all in? Because I know that's not easy for so many people to do, but so many people want to live and like be fulfilled in their purpose, but something's holding them back. So what would you say? It's a, it's a trade-off and you have to be willing to sort of pay that price. You know, like it's, you know, it's, it's the passion versus purpose idea, like passion, super exciting. It's new. It's fun. But then passion subsides and you're left with reality. And then is purpose enough to string you from one thing to the next to the next? You know, it was really cool to say, guys, I'm a creator now. I don't have a job. Like I can work on my own terms. Right? But in reality, I'm a 26-year-old in my boxers with no money coming in. Like that's not cool. You know, <laughs> sitting at a table like working by myself. So you, it's it attacks the ego in a way that you don't think matters but to me and maybe other people are different to me that was hard because i had always put so much emphasis on doing the right thing and being able to say like even in class like i'm one of the top in my class or i'm one of the best like i just wanted to overachieve and now all of a sudden i'm climbing up this hierarchy and i am at the baseline you know and and you have to be able to deal with that and understand that there's a lot of things that go with it. There's a, uh, you know, there's obviously the the pride and, and you learn some of those people in your life that you thought would be there. Maybe not so much, you know, it's, it's a little emptier there than you thought it might be. And you learn a lot of things about life and about yourself. I think it's a beautiful payoff. I think it's entirely worth it. And if, if, if it means something to you, I would advocate everyone make that journey. Just understand it's not the highlight reel you see on Instagram. There's a lot of peaks, but there's a ton of valleys and not many people are willing to trudge through those valleys. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that as well. So that would be kind of like my, my message out on something like that. So where do you think that came from you thinking that, you know, and I know we feel the same way where you have to go to school, get good grades get a promotion, go to college and all these things. Where do you think that thought came from? And I know so many people think that. Like for you. Um, I think just wanting to do what's right. Like thinking about what the expectation is, what is quote unquote, the standard that's set for me. And 
not learning to to think for yourself. And it, it sounds funny. Like there are things I look back and I'm like, what do you mean you didn't think for yourself? But it's it's not an exaggeration. Like I was 26 and realized if I don't want to work in corporate America, I can go do something else. You know, I don't have to, we, we sort of shackle ourselves in because our worldview is so small and, you know, there's just, there's so much power in being able to look outside that and realize there's so much more than what we're conditioned or what we've been taught, what we look around and see. Um, so, you know, giving myself the freedom to explore, like I said, that year, it was so many things. Like when I, I left that corporate world and was, it was doing the music stuff and the writing stuff. It was scary. It was liberating. It was just a reworking of my entire mental framework. I remember running at two in the afternoon and there was a voice in my head being like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be working. People work at two in the afternoon. That's what happens at two in the afternoon. How are you running outside right now? Like that's how insane it was. And uh, that unshackling or unlearning took a lot of time. And I think to some extent, and maybe for me, it was more drastic, right? Maybe there's people listening that are like, that's a little intense or, or they give themselves more, more leeway now. But to, to some extent, we all do that. And so I think there's value in understanding and pushing those parameters out and out and out and out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I see that in my life too. Yeah. And I think it was very brave of you, right? You essentially made a leap of faith. I mean, you didn't have a solid, um, you know, kind of side gig that's going in the right direction. You allowed yourself to take a risk, to take a chance on something that was important and meaningful in your life. And it turned out amazing. But so for so many people, the challenges get too hard. So what would you say um, really pushed you through some of those tough times? And I'm sure you have them, right? You This wasn't a solid thing yet. I'm sure there was times where you're like, well, what am I doing? Uh, should I just turn back now and, uh, you know, just go back to my nine to five and, and you know, go back to that safety net? Yeah, it was like a head in the clouds, feet in the ground thing feet on the ground thing. Like I, I knew there was something bigger that I was moving towards because I felt compelled to it. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. I just knew there was something there. And then it was just looking directly at my feet, Do, like making what I had to make that day, learning to even emotionally detach from how it was perceived and move on to the next. And it became so automated that at times it felt dumb because I was like detached from an outcome. It was just like creating a speech creating a speech, creating a speech with, you know, very little validation. And you have people around you that love you and care about you and want the best for you that are like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is there an end game here? Or like, what are we doing? Um, but yeah, you just become so attached to the process and getting better at it. Because here's the reality. If you, if you dedicate yourself to being the 1% or, or just good at a craft, right? That takes time. Financially, you won't have issues. Like you'll be okay if you are excellent at whatever it is you do. It's just getting there. It's giving yourself, you know, the grace to get there. Um, so that's what it was like really, truly playing the long game. I always talk about like the, the curve, the growth curve. I've been doing this for about nine years. You know, I didn't get the, the the hockey stick turn until about three years ago, you know, which means like 
four years ago, there were moments where things could have got scary. If I didn't get that one guy calling saying, Eddie, I need a video for my company. Can you do this for me? And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Yes. You know? And, and so it's really hanging in there and, and seeing it through. Now there's one thing I wanted to mention too. Um, this does drive me crazy. Like when uh, people who have been successful, you know, when you, you know, they're asked for advice and they give advice that they didn't do, you know, like, um, well, let me just put it in the context of, of, of my situation. I jumped off with really without a lifeline and it was terrifying, but it forced me to put my back against the wall. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I think there's value in that, but also the pragmatic side of my brain says, there's also no excuse not to be slowly building that lifeline while you're at work too. Like there are a lot of tools online to be building that company, starting to create income, doing these things on the side so that the landing pad's a little softer, particularly if you have a family or there are other obligations. Like I was just a single guy. So, or, or not married, you know what I mean? So like no kids, nothing like that. And um, it was a lot easier for me. So there are ways to plan and position and set yourself up for that jump. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to, to throw that in as well. <clears throat> that's that's so true. And I was listening to one of your speeches a few weeks ago and you really highlight that, you know, it's easy for you. For example, if we had a dinner plans at nine o'clock to show up because you're meeting someone else, but to show up for yourself is so much different and you have to make that commitment. And, you know, it's really keeping those promises that you make to yourself. So when you did Quit your nine to five job. What were some things that you set up to make sure that, you know, you did put your back against the wall, but you made those commitments and you showed up every single day? Did you have some sort of goals highlighted? I know a lot of times, a lot of people have these monthly, yearly goals and they break them down into daily goals. So I'm really curious to know how you set yourself up for success moving forward. Yeah, I just, there wasn't an alternative. It was, you know, this is, this is what you're going to do and you have to do it. I mean, if I didn't um, do what I said I was going to do, there'd be no channel. Like that's, that's the difference of, um, you know, having a sort of structured corporate environment where it's like, here are the objectives and someone's, you know, tapping you on the shoulder, asking for them. And when that doesn't happen, you have to recreate that. And that's why it's, it's so important that uh, when you make promises to yourself, you keep them. And by the way, it's not like, I don't think anyone's perfect at this. You know, there are always concessions. And, and the idea is to minimize those to the point where it is extreme. Um, because if you can't hold yourself accountable, it's it opens up the floodgates. You know, I talked about like one of the things being this, the kitchen sink. Um, like if I don't do the dishes once, I'm like, I will forever just leave. Like who cares, right? I'll just leave dishes in there for a week. So every night there cannot be dishes in those sink. That's like a, a promise that I'm making to myself. And it seems arbitrary and it seems little, but it, in a way it's a microcosm of, of everything. Like if you say you're going to do something and it's important to you, you have to teach yourself that you do what you say, because if you break it once, you'll kick the door open. You know, if it's, if it's cracked, it might as well be kicked open. Um, and then it just comes down to understanding what those things are. What are those non-negotiables? What are those things that matter to the extent that, um, you want to protect them and, and make sure that they are, uh, you know, tied into and integral to your your life and your day to day. I couldn't agree more. And I think something that you said that was really key there 
um, that I, I would really agree with is, you know, just keeping yourself, uh, I guess, being disciplined, right? And training that skill. It, it's really what sets people apart from being successful versus people who might not be achieving their dream. And I think that's really key. It's why we teach our children to make their bed every morning, mm -hmm. uh, you know, before they start their day. It's just some of those things that we decide, um, you know, are needed in, 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 to form habits. And it's it's ways that we are keeping ourselves disciplined. So that's, that's For sure. A, I agree. And I'm really curious to know, so you have all, you had said you've set disciplines, you showed up for yourself. Obviously that builds self-confidence within you because you're keeping the promises you make to yourself. But um, what is your, your why has to carry you? It has to be so much stronger than your limiting beliefs towards, you know, what you're capable of. So what would you say that your, your why is? And I know a lot of times people say your why makes you cry. So did you do that uh -huh. layer of, I think it's like the seven layers deep to really figure out, you know, what your purpose is in this world? I think so. I think so. Uh, one of my, my friends, Evan says, your purpose comes from your pain. And I think for me, understanding how much opportunity was around me. I just had to sort of change the way that I looked at it. Um, it's, it's a metaphor, but it's, I think it, it really is indicative of reality, like placing myself in this jail cell and not even realizing it, the realizing the freedom and, and, and what I'm, I'm able to do. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's critical to be able to do that. And understand that uh, if you don't give yourself permission to do some of these things, no one can. And, and I love being able to offer that to people and show people that um, they have more power than they think and more control than they think. And it's it's sort of a, a you know, a, a two-part thing because I get validation from the results, right? That, that really makes me feel good. Getting the emails and the messages and Eddie, thank you. Like this, this changed the way I was doing X, Y, and Z. And then also the creative process I'm in love with. Like I really enjoy turning on, you know, the music, putting my headphones on and writing something that I think is meaningful to me. It's like an outlet. It's an art to me. And uh, the marriage of those two things I'm just so grateful for. You know, the, the process and the outcome are so exciting to me. Um, and I feel really lucky about that. I was going to ask you, I know we talked about where you get your motivation from, but to actually be able to write your speeches. So you put on music and you just kind of go into, do you sort of go into a meditative state or, I mean, your speeches are absolutely profound and they're so inspiring. So you just put on music and you just go ahead and write. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I, it's definitely a flow state, you know, I um, put on like some background music and you know, I'll have themes in Evernote of like little things that I've jotted down throughout the week and just riff on it. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun process. It, it almost is therapeutic and, and meditative. Um, but yeah, so the music's going, I'll write the speech and then uh, record it and get it out there. Wow. And how, how many would you say you end up doing per week now? Um, so I'm releasing three per week. It's crazy how fast time flies. So like the cattle, there's like 800 of them now. There's just so many. And if you go back and it's like an electronic uh, diary or journal. You know, I look at stuff from or listen to a video from from 2015. And it's like, that's that's what you were thinking, you know, or um, 
even some of the stuff I say, like I completely disagree with. I, I say, I, you know, and that's that's life. That's the journey. And that's what I aim for. The authenticity of here's what's helping me in this moment. Here's what I believe in sharing it. And, uh, you know, as you evolve, so does your worldview. And so it's fun to just, you know, poke poke around and go back to, uh, to, to the beginning and, and check some of that stuff out. What are you hoping um, is going to develop out of it next? Or what are some next things that you're hoping to accomplish? Or what is like another level you're hoping to bring your content to? Uh, I think scale. I think scale. Um, so I am, uh, you know, I've been very YouTube centric. And that's great because it's the perfect medium for what I'm doing. But it's it's fun and interesting to try and find ways to take some of the messaging and put it in different places or deliver it in ways that, uh, you know, is different from YouTube or might impact someone who's not a YouTube uh, viewer. So it's the same idea, same message, same craft, but uh, the, the challenge is uh, how do you diversify and scale it and, and get it to uh, as many people that can be helped as, uh, as possible. And it's super fun. It's really fun to do that. And it requires, um, having a team around me of exciting, smart, innovative people, which in and of itself is a blessing because like I said, this was a solo thing for so many years that, you know, getting a text, it's like, Ed, I have an idea. It's like the most exciting thing for me. I'm like, nice. I'm like, let's talk about it, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a blast. So now you have a team behind you, you said? I do. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I know for a lot of people, and it seems like you might be the same way, it's like you want to do everything because you know you can do it. But I also know that outsourcing is so powerful. So did you see your business grow drastically once you started building a team and having them be the expert in that area for you? At first, it's so different that you got to take a micro step backwards um, and and, you know, change how you're doing things a little bit. And then you start to see, like, as some time expires, you start to see the upside, you know? Um, yeah, when I when I uh, first built a team around me, it was like, okay, so maybe it's, it's 80% the quality that I'd like. And that's subjective, right? That's to me, because I've been doing it myself a particular way for years. So one, I've gained a mastery in it, and two, you know, everyone likes their own way, right? So it's like 80% quality wise, but 10 times the reach. So there's a win. And then as you grow together as a team, it's like, whoa, this isn't even 80% quality. Like, I think we're, we're there. And not only that, the people in my circle, on my team doing this stuff, like they're better than I am at their specific piece of this puzzle. And that's where you start to see the magic. And so, yeah, it's uh, it really is a cool process to watch unfold. And, and a, a lot of entrepreneurs do talk about that. It's like, this is my, I don't want to give up the editing. Like the editing's in the magic. Like I want control and, and it hurts. Um, but if you can let go and, and be patient and trust that, uh, you know, in the end, not only will it be equivalent, but if you're with the right people, it'll be better. Uh, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I'm so curious to know now what your friends and family say, because you said, you know, you were in your apartment at 26 and your friends and family are like, what are you doing? So what do they have to say now <laughs> to what you've accomplished? Yeah. 
Well, my family was was incredibly supportive. Like, I'm very lucky in that regard. You know, um, I think they were worried because I I put, you know, I I went all in on, um, you know, academics and uh, you know, going to a, a decent school and it was had a good uh, career track. And all of a sudden, I'm like, eh, no, right? So they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, they just want what's best. So there were conversations about that but when i said no this is what i'm doing um they were there man i mean my dad knew my stats to every single video before i did you know he could he could talk about any of that stuff um you know my mom was always calling my grandmother always called me always being supportive i love this speech this was great which it means the world when you're starting out and let's face it, like no one cares yet. Right. I mean, the pragmatic brain says it's part of the process. It's the price you pay. It's dues. I get it. But now do that. Right. Cause it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Um, so that was an incredible thing. Um, yeah. And now they're just, um, you know, they're, they're, they're happy for me. It's a great thing. Um, friends is a different story. I think, there wasn't like vitriol or anything, but there, you know, I would say 90% just disappeared, just dropped off the face of the earth. Um, and that's something that hardened you up too, because it's not, oh, pull out the, you know, the world's smallest violin, poor me. It's like, no, it's life. Everyone's doing their own thing. And um, even the people that want you to win probably don't want you to do better than them, right? So it's an interesting dynamic where you just have to realize um, it's not the world against you. It's not personal. It's just how things are. So you keep your circle small. You make sure it's people that uh, love you and care about you and that respect is reciprocal and you move forward. And that's, I, th I think about it a lot differently now than I did when I started, 100%. And I'm just curious uh, to know what what did you study in school? What was the career path that you were on that you you know so drastically changed from? Political science. How was that for a curveball? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a political science in a liberal liberal arts school, uh, Holy Cross, and then um, I didn't even use political science in the corporate world. I was in like I was in the insurance industry, so kind of all over the place but always had that at the heart of things that sort of creative, uh, you know, artist in me. And uh, it was just trying to figure out how to capture that. I think in hindsight, it took me a long time to get the courage to, you know, but that was, that was always there. I will say though, college, you, you, a lot can be said. I'm sure you guys uh, have heard a lot about this. Like, YouTube, you can learn anything. You can learn how to take a car apart and put it together. Like it's, there's, it makes college in my mind less imperative than it once was. And I don't think there are many people that would argue that unless you're talking about a very specified profession. But there are two things I learned in school. I was on the, the rowing or the crew team there. And so I really learned how to work and how to push myself to, a, to the extent that I just never, never had in my life. And I learned how to write. I mean, as a political science major, you're just writing papers, right? And so my issue now is that I, I sometimes, I write like a political science major and a lot of people don't respond to that. You know, it's very like stiff sometimes and rigid, but um, 
I really attribute school to helping me write and express myself um, in a way that I couldn't before. So definitely got some value from it. No question. Wow. I want to go back to the point where you made when you were talking about how friends is a completely different story for you. And a lot of times your friends want to see you do well, but not better than them. So how did you, from your circle, how did you decipher those friends? And how did you know, and like, what were your moves after that, knowing that they just didn't want you to succeed better than they were doing? I think, uh, you know, I don't think there was like a put my foot down, like, this is it. This is, I just let some things fade away. Like it's small things, right? And, and, and everyone feels this to some extent when you are working on something, right? And you put something out and it's a little vulnerable, right? Like writing a speech about your failure is vulnerable. And, you know, now it's easy because I can put something out and, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands or millions of people watch it, comment, relate to it. But when it's just you and you know your buddies are seeing it, like a, a, a double tap or a like means a lot. Right. And I was surprised that I wasn't getting that. And that to me, like my first instinct was to take it personal, you know, like a sort of me against the world. But that was just a projection of my own insecurity, and my own hurt. And, and one of the things you realize as you go through is that, like I was saying before, like it's just not personal. It's not. It, you can't take it that way. Um, if, you know, like some of those folks I'm still buddies with, like I'm still acquaintances with. I talk to them on the phone. I'll see them at events. Like we'll hang out, have a beer every once in a while. doesn't matter. But I, I know like if there's a family emergency, if there's a problem, like they're not going to be the ones I call and that's okay. You know? Um, yeah. You learn how much is predicated upon your own courage, your personal agency, your ability to move forward. Um, because you do feel naked and exposed and alone when you're putting things out into the world. And everyone who's put something on social media understands that there's definitely a vulnerability to it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not the world against you. It's just uh, how it goes. I think that's really important to highlight that you, you were saying, you know, vulnerability is not easy, but it also becomes your superpower. And to your story, I mean, when you were vulnerable and you still are opening up about what you've been through, so many people reach out to you now and they can relate to those things. And I think that's the most profound thing is being able to, re to relate to those people on such a deep level. So I think, you know, being vulnerable is definitely a superpower and it takes a tremendous person to be able to get to that point and to open up at that level. So I think that's incredible that you're able to do that. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I agree. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about, which is why, um, you know, people relate to it. And, you know, there's something in like the best songs that are vulnerable that we gravitate to the best movies, the best, you know, the best everything. There's something very human about it. And so if you're willing to dive into those topics, um, it creates a forum for discussion and a place where people can can meet at an emotive level. Uh and that's where people grow and learn as well. You know, it's not, um, let's talk about our vulnerabilities so we can sulk. It's no, let's talk about our vulnerabilities so we can dive into them and we can all be better and realize, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a price, but it's a price that's worth it because on the other side, 
you just don't get that. You know, there were so many checkpoints, like using my own, my own personal trajectory where things hurt or were vulnerable and those inflection points, the ability to march through them was everything. You know, you look back, there's just so many times where it could have said, ah, this is it. And like the thing I'm most grateful for is diving into it. Um, one of the best books on the, I always, I always bring this up because it just had a profound impact on me, um, is Unbroken, where uh, Louis Zamperini, the runner, it's a fictional book. Uh, Louis Zamperini, the runner, he, uh, he ends up fighting in World War II, his plane shot down. Uh, in the Pacific, he's an American, and uh, the Japanese capture him, and he goes from like camp to camp to camp to camp. Just he's like brute, like he's beaten, almost killed. He sees buddies around him die, just hell, like hell we couldn't even understand. And eventually, um, you know, the Americans defeat Japan, right? And so they are 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 there, and they capture him or save him. And uh, one of the Americans at camp asks him, like, imagine doing that again. And he says, I couldn't. I'd rather die. And I'm thinking, like, when you look back at something that massive, your brain can't even put it together. Like, you just think, I would die before doing that. That's impossible. The amount of suffering I went through, I couldn't do it again. But then you think by putting your head down and just going day by day by day and surviving one horrific event in his case after another, after another puts you somewhere where you look over your shoulder and go, how could a human being even endure that? But I did by showing up every day. Now that's like obviously an extreme example, but that is even more to the point. Like we're not fighting a war. We're going through our own thing, right? Our own trajectories. And I think it, it goes to the power of putting your head down and just day by day doing the hard thing, but the right thing. And that compounds to when time passes, you look back and go, how did I do this? Look how far I've come just by saying yes to what's in front of me. So yeah, it's a good book. Definitely recommend everyone read it. We're definitely going to read that. And I think Sounds it's good. so important, you know, 1% better every single day towards your goals. Yeah, I, I really like Love it. Yeah just made I think it reminds me to a lot of the holocaust stories that we hear about right where some people yeah. went these um awful experiences and I'm sure anybody who's in any of these camps experienced similar like things but then we hear about the people who were really positive about the experience right I'm sure it was horrible things that were happening to them every day but because they had the right attitude or a positive outlook or a positive um expectation of what's to come um they just had a positive outlook on life their experience was a little bit different and i think that has a huge impact if we just have the right attitude an open mind and uh you know po being positive that the, the outlook is is so much different I couldn't agree. so true yeah victor frankl says that in man's search for meaning which is about his time in the in the holocaust during the holocaust attitude is the one thing you can't take away from a man which is like just chilling. It's so, it's so profound, but yeah, your outlook is, is everything. Yeah, I agree with that too. And so kind of to wrap this up, we want to know, was all of it worth it? You quitting your nine to five, you going through all of these massive challenges, not knowing when your next paycheck is going to be, and then you get the phone call. Was it all worth it to get to the point where you are now? 
10,000 percent, 10,000. And it's worth noting, too, that, you know, because people might be going through similar things than we talked about, we're talking about the pain points and the inflection points, you know, and, and the, the moments of duress, but moving forward. But that's supplemented with some incredible, amazing, beautiful moments, right? For every valley, there was a mountaintop, you know, it's life oscillates and uh, you get to experience things and you get just the joy of an adventure that you can't get when you don't dive into what's meaningful to you. And so that really needs to be stressed. Like, yeah, 10,000% life is hard innately and you'll find obstacles that come your way and you know, putting your head down and knowing that you can get through them is everything, but understand why, understand the joy of doing something that's fulfilling and meaningful to you. You just, you can't beat it. So when, when you ask that question, yeah, yeah, worth it. And also I wouldn't have it any other way. It was the best decision I ever made because getting out of bed and saying, I'm doing something that matters to me is unbelievable. It really, I always used to joke around with my buddy. We would pray for a flat tire on the way to work. It's like, you know, at what at what point, right? At what point do you look around and go, "This is so dumb"? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Um, so, yeah, manufacturing that meaning in a, in life is, is a powerful thing. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. I mean, there's the saying, right? That if if you're not jumping out of bed every morning, your goals are just not big enough. Mm-hmm. So, I think that just really reminded me of that, and that's such an important point to make. Yes. Amen. So- Well, this has been such an amazing episode. Thank you so much for coming on our show. So for our listeners, where can they find you? I know you're on YouTube, Instagram, where else? Yeah, so YouTube is probably the biggest, uh, Eddie Panero, or um, the podcast, Eddie Panero, the Your World Within podcast. Um, I am on uh, Instagram and TikTok and all those places too under the same name. But uh, yeah, the the episodes go out Monday, Wednesday, Friday on uh, YouTube and the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And for all our listeners, we are sending you so much love and light. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you both for having me. Appreciate it. 